Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journeys, and our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Tuesdays, I will be talking with those mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis coaches and players. Often you will hear, well, on the first Thursday, it's normally Alan Fox. At the second Thursday, uh, Coach Chuck Reese. The third Thursday, Coach John, uh, Dr. John Murray. Uh, and then other notables who will join us on those fourth and occasional fifth Thursdays uh, will be Coaches like Ashley Hobson, Linda LeClaire, Scott Williams, Dr. Bryce Young, Tom Farham, and other former and present college coaches like Scott Engie, who uh, was our guest last week. Uh, So today, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, I should say, we're into the holiday season, and because of that, I'm going to ask you to be patient with me for today because I'm going to uh, be doing the talking. I do know and I recognize the fact that our best broadcasts are the ones where I do the least talking. And I promise you when uh, Coach Chuck Reese, uh comes with us next week, um, I will be doing the least amount of talking. But uh, it's the holiday season, and people are busy this time of year. As a matter of fact, after next Thursday's broadcast with Coach Chuck Reese, Bobby and I will be taking off and heading north. Uh, don't ask me why we're going to head north, because family is up there. And uh, we're going to be shutting down the network for uh, our broadcast, uh, Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings, for a month. But... Um, I would like to, before I go any further, to thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you're missing out on some useful information. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is that if you miss an episode, you can listen at any uh, time you choose. Uh, yesterday, uh, I listened to American Tennis Live. I think I caught uh, Coach Greasy off guard because normally I listen uh, to it uh, late at night or early in the morning because I'm usually tied up. But yesterday I was waiting for somebody and I decided to uh, tune in live. So that's the great thing about Block Talk Radio is you choose when you want to listen to it. And because I do believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, those Thursdays, which time permits, I will add my personal views on North American tennis at the end of the broadcast. And naturally, you will hear my biased view that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. And naturally, the almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my views on Florida Tennis Magazine, now in its 25th year. And as I previously expressed, if you disagree with my comments, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca.att.net. Who knows? I may even share those, your views. I have done it before. I give you my opinion. And I respect your opinions. I think one of the problems of today, truthfully, and it's my opinion, that we are uh, not good listeners. And instead, what we do is we listen for a point to interject to get our view in. I respect your view. Uh, Given the opportunity, uh, if you want to... uh, Sit there, and uh, I might even bring you on the air. Uh, The only thing I ask is that you do email me uh, because I don't take uh, 
live calls over the air, but if you email me and if you disagree and you have a point of view that you want to express, um, we can talk about it. It's Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. So before we uh, get into today's broadcast, I would like to thank besides uh, uh, Florida Tennis, a magazine I think should be uh, out today. So uh, it should be going uh, across the country. I would hopefully mine uh, copies in the mail. Uh, This is what happens when you get old. You have short-term memory. I forgot what I wrote about this issue, but... uh, Hopefully it'll be interesting, but if uh, you should remember that Florida Tennis Magazine is not just about Florida tennis. It's about tennis, and being that much of it goes through Florida, um, you know, it's why for the last 25 years it's been called Florida Tennis, and if you don't get a copy of Florida Tennis, I suggest you do. Uh, if somebody at your tennis club has taken the last issue, uh, you might turn into uh, the Facebook uh, page, FH or uh, Florida Tennis, and um, you might find it there. And of course, you can always find the last issue of the magazine by going to um, www.fhstca.org and my. Um, Articles are all in there, and also the uh, last issue of Florida Tennis is in there. So don't get upset if somebody's taking the last issue from the club because this happens often. Uh, that's why you should get your own subscription, but it's up to you. But you, it, uh, those articles, we do put some of those articles in the um, Facebook site too, so um, you know, stay tuned, you never know. I really also have to thank uh, Wilson Tennis because they've been a big part of high school tennis and uh, and a big part of uh, when the FHSTCA was uh, doing the All-Star Tournament, which they didn't do last year, shame on them, hopefully they'll get it done again next year. But Wilson is uh, over 100 years in sports and uh, God, I wish I could be around for the next 100 years to see what they do. District 15 and JTL, we owe a lot to. Uh, they're over 20 years in providing tennis programming. I've been blessed to be the tennis uh, director there, and um, I kid a lot when uh, we work with the 10 and under kids at uh, – uh, talking to the parents that uh, I need them there because uh, they've got a, they're a big part of their children, that I'm there because my wife reminds me I can't afford a divorce, but uh, they uh, watch me and see how much fun they uh, I'm having, and they know I'm lying to them. Uh, Flagler Insurance, I've been proud of them because they've been a big sponsor of the All-Star Tournament for the high school uh, kids. Uh, they understand really that our future leaders are now in high school. And of course, team connections, uh, the all-star team always look great. The coaches look great. Uh, and uh, they provided the uniforms for them. And uh, hopefully uh, the all-star t- tournament comes about again. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be back on because uh, they remind us all the time that uh, tennis really does uh, fuel life. So, like I said before, it's the holiday season. Um, Alan uh, cannot be, Alan Fox will not be with us today. Uh, Chuck Reese will be with us next week, uh, the Lord willing, as of today he's planning to be there. And uh, then after that, we are going to uh, shut down for a month because I will be uh, heading north with our family getting together, and we're going to be away for about a month. We're uh, going to be stopping in some of our wife's favorite cities and doing things. So uh, we won't be on the air uh, for a long time. 
But today I'd like to talk about an old perspective, an old basketball coach perspective on tennis coaching. Uh, many of you know that I was a basketball coach before uh, joining my son in starting the John Denise School of Tennis. Uh, in those days when I was coaching basketball, uh, I was involved with recreation and uh, tennis. Uh, uh, I, I did some volunteer work for the USTA, and uh, I always encouraged uh, my basketball players uh, to play tennis in the off season because, well, because of the similarities uh, of the athletes to play tennis and to play basketball, uh, and the skills needed to in both games of tennis and basketball, and uh, the game of time. You've heard me often say that basketball is a game of time. And um, it's, uh, excuse me, that tennis is a game of of time, but basketball is also a game of time. And uh, when I got involved with with, uh, tennis, which was, you know, almost uh, 30 years ago now and decided – you know, to coach uh, t- tennis, uh, I knew that at that time that uh, we had to sit there. Um, well, when I decided that I was going to uh, join my son uh, uh, with the John Denise School of Tennis, uh, most people uh, don't realize that the John Denise School of Tennis was not about me. It was about my son, and uh, I was the other uh, John Denise. But we knew at that time that we needed, uh, you know, some help. Uh, John played college uh, tennis, and he uh, hung around his father uh, coaching uh, basketball. As a matter of fact, uh, when he was five years old or maybe six, uh, sitting uh, next to the bench uh, next to me uh, uh, and me trying to influence the uh, uh, an official uh, trying to get a technical rather than uh, have one of my players get a technical because the game was getting a little out of control. Uh, my son stood up and yelled at the official, put his hand, that's a technical. And the official did call a technical on me and told me to have my son sit down. So he's been around coaching, but he wasn't a uh, coach and realized that um, – we needed to uh, get some uh, training if we were going to be opening up uh, uh, a school for tennis. And so because of that, truthfully, we joined the PTR, uh, being that conditioning uh, of the athlete is paramount in basketball and tennis. Uh, We decided that it, it was time to now learn about the game more. And uh, the PTR at that time, quite frankly, uh, in our opinion, uh, was the best place to learn about it. Uh, And for you young coaches, uh, I don't mean to say that the PTR is better than the USPTA, but in those days, in our opinion of my studies, uh, we determined that the PTR was a learning organization. It was there for teaching coaches and everything. And the USPTA, quite frankly, in those days, in our opinion, was a good old boys network. And uh, so being we needed help, we figured the PTR was the place to be, and we joined that. If I was a young coach today, if I wasn't approaching 80, truthfully, I would be a member of both organizations today. So I don't want uh, anybody that uh, think that, uh, uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm taking the PTR today over uh, the other. I do have a bias. The only reason, like I said, that I'm not a member of both is because of my age. And because I've been involved with the PTR for uh, almost uh, 30 years. But there was 
three main influences in my tennis philosophy for coaching, um, bringing basketball thinking to tennis. And uh, they were Dennis Vandermeer, Chuck Reese, and Nick Saviano. Uh, yes, those other legends that I mentioned in a previous article in uh, Florida Tennis Magazine, uh, I think the article was titled The FHSTCA Architect of Tennis. Uh, all those people were all contributors, uh, but the above three really reinforced that my ideas about basketball and tennis and my philosophy could be brought to uh, tennis. And uh, so that was, I'd like to just talk a little bit about them and a little bit about with the, how the two basketball and tennis works together and why an old coach has adopted that philosophy. Dennis Vandermeer was the first person that probably had the biggest influence in me and got thousands of other people. Uh, his, uh, the way to present the tennis strokes uh, was so important and, and the progression of uh, teaching each stroke uh, was something that at that time I think uh, just meant so much to young coaches. And while well, I was older than most at that time, I was you know 30 years younger than I am now. So uh, that that was just an important thing. His videos, uh, his instructions were good. But also those of you that were blessed like I am to get to know Dennis. Uh, a little bit, and not as much as some other people, but every moment was a blessed moment with him, uh, was that uh, he gave me so much encouragement that a basketball coach uh, could become a uh, a good tennis coach. And I never wanted to go into anything half-heartedly. Uh, I always wanted to be excellent in whatever I did. Uh, and uh, he was a big influence on that. He really, uh, when I first met him and uh, went to um, uh, PTR uh, symposium with my son and seeing all these young people there, uh, you know, truthfully, I said to myself, what the hell am I doing here? And it was his um, influence, his talking to me and explaining that, you know, a, a young person might be able to get people in. The playing skills were important and to demonstrate. But if you didn't know how to coach, uh, you're not going to keep the people there. So he was a big uh, influence on me. And he's probably the main reason uh, why I became so active in the PTR activity uh, when Quite frankly, uh, 30 years ago, the PTR membership in Florida was uh, very, very small. It was all USPTA at that time. And uh, we started the USPTA uh, Florida region. Jorge Andrew was the first uh, president of that. And uh, when he moved to South Carolina, I became the second president and uh, Actually, my involvement in um, high school tennis came from that period. Um, we were at a time in high school where I think we are in colleges now when um, tennis pros were telling, if you have a good tennis player, don't let them go to high school because uh, the science teacher or math teacher is going to ruin your player. And I just believed then, and at that time, and Dennis believed that, uh, if you were a good pro and you saw your player once a week, you'd be able to know if something was going on. So, you know, I I sat there. That was my campaign for a couple of years when I was president and uh, wound up coaching the high school team for 20 years. So he was a major influence. And uh, if I may digress for a minute, uh, why he is not in the Tennis Hall of Fame today is beyond me. I mean, I, uh, you know, we have such a deserving group in there. It's a great organization. If you ever get to, uh, uh, you know, uh, Rhode Island, uh, God, you've got to get there. I've been blessed to uh, 
uh, coached at the World Scholarship Games and taking the uh, kids to the Hall of Fame to play on those grass courts is just fantastic. But it's time that we all get together and contact these voting, voting members and uh, we we need to get Dennis uh, Vandermeer into the Hall of Fame next this year because uh, well next year you know, you know actually in two eighteen because uh, why he wasn't in before uh, is beyond me. But let me get on to the second person that was a major major influence. You've heard me talk often about uh, coaching tennis, Chuck Creasy's book. Uh, I made it part of the John Denise School of Tennis. Uh, our coaches, um, all my co-coaches uh, in high school and uh, at the John Denise School of Tennis, uh, that book was just what they had. My book, one of, I still have, I think I have two left, one that's not written in. I have one that Chuck uh, autographed, and that, it's kind of all torn up a little, but it's been used, and it's, it's used continuously, and I've got notes all over it, and uh, it's very important to me. But Chuck Greasy's uh, coaching tennis really broke down the training of athletes into three sections, and that was so important, I think, it's a, especially to new coaches, and it's important. I read it recently again because I – I think about, I hear this is new and that's new and uh, this is a new thing. And there are a few new things, but there's not a lot. Most of it is based on some old stuff and we've changed and borrowed it, which is good and we should do that. But the the physical third of the, those three sections was the physical third of the book, the mental third, and the emotional third of coaching. And, um, you know, breaking them down you were able to break down Dennis Vandenberg's strokes and everything and the importance, but breaking down the teaching part of it, I thought that Chuck Reese just did an outstanding job. They're still relative. And if I'm right that the game of tennis is really a game of time, then the World Law directional section of his book uh, was really reinforcement to my thinking that, you know, there is a place when you hit the ball, there is a place to recover to that I have to say Warlaw didn't go into it. I thought about writing the second portion of his book. I know one of his assistant coaches that I had at one of my workshops, she said we should do it together. We've never done that. But Dennis really does cover it some in there, but uh, when you hit a ball and everything, you know, where do you hit it to? Where are you going to be recovered to? And tennis is a game of movement. It's a game you have to be in condition to. And really, who better to reinforce my basketball concept of tennis in that you have, it's a running game, it's a conditioning game, and to be successful at it, you know, you have to understand that. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Reese and his success at, with his Clemson teams uh, just became a natural. Uh, I, every chance I got to see him, I wanted to do it because, well, selfishly it reinforced uh, my concept of uh, basketball and tennis being together. Uh, the third person was a person that you all know as a, as a, a great coach, but uh, uh, he contributed in a different way, and that is Nick Saviano. Nick Saviano uh, really kind of helped me check my ego. Um, and that was in his presentations with the player, the USPA player development plan. I was blessed to go through that. And when you're going through there in my class, there was uh, Bobby uh, Payless of Notre Dame. He was still at Notre Dame then, um, you know, and being around Paul, Paul Obers and people like that, that whole high per performance coaching program, uh, really, you know, check your ego in place. But he had a, his player development plan, which, by the way, is in his book, um, was very similar to my long-term development plan. And, and um, my uh, my plan would 
you know, when I looked at it, I said to myself, this works, and, you know, J. Edwards, that's a little change there, but my plan's pretty good, too. But Nick's emphasis on that being the, the player's plan is not ours, it's his. And that's the thing that really stunk in. If you're, whoever you're working with, he or she, the player, you might contribute to that player development plan. I, I mean, if somebody is five foot two and want to be a servant volleyer, I might suggest another aspect that they want to be a, a defensive player and they're slow up. You know, are you going con- to contribute things? Yes, you are. But it is their plan. It is not our plan as a coach. And uh, that was a, a part that I still remember today. And when I, I used the player development plan, uh, the people I work with use the player development plan. It is something I remind them you know, all the time. It's it's their plan. And when the when they know it's their plan, it becomes a great tool for you because you're able to, to sit there when you see them getting off of it. Um, you know, I think of one incident where a young lady in high school uh, discovered boys, and all of a sudden things started changing. And I said to her, I'm not going to name no names, but uh, uh, I'd like to sit down with you and uh, put together a new plan and tell me what changes you want. She said, well, what new plans? I said, well, it's, you know, it's obvious that you changed your mind about your plan, and that's okay, but you know, tell me what I can do so I can support you. And uh, she, she decided she didn't want to uh, change her plan. That the plan that she developed was a plan she wanted to keep. And uh, and I think by her keeping it, it was one of the reasons that uh, she went on to play uh, college uh, tennis. And but it made my job easier to be able to sit there and explain to her that, uh, you know, it was her plan we were talking about. It wasn't my plan. So I thank Nick Saviano for that. I thank the USTA High Performance Program uh, because that was important uh, to me. Now let's get to an old basketball coach perspective on uh, tennis coaching. Uh, As... um, when, in those days, as a basketball coach, 75% of each of my practices was spent on conditioning and on defense. All my teams were that way. It was basketball practice was about defense. Why? Because basketball, like tennis, is about time and rhythm. And what do we do in the game is so important. In basketball, we wanted, you know, you might ask, well, how are you going to score points on defense? If you look at basketball, most of the points, many of the points are not scored on set plays. They're scored off of fast breaks. So going from defense to uh, offense was a big part of my belief is that when we practice defense, defense didn't end uh, when we uh, took a ball away or we broke up a play. Defense ended when we were able to convert that defense to an offensive play. And and I think that's important uh, today. I talked before about uh, uh, Warlaw and uh, Dennis's book, and I think he made, quite frankly, Warlock sold more books after Dennis came out with his book, because when you think about it, you know, he's telling you where to take the inside ball and where to take the outside ball, and in, uh, in um, not Dennis, but Coach Creasy's book, he sits there and um, – I'm pretty sure it was in his book. It's in his book. If not, uh, I might have picked it up, uh, a drill that he uses with the Warlock Theory. You had to understand the Warlock Theory, and you would have to – he used the uh, 60-foot court 
to do drills in there because as you get people like me, I can't hit with the power of the uh, these young people, and, I, and many of the coaches can. You don't have to uh, and still be a good coach. That has nothing to do uh, with coaching. There's a difference between being a hitting partner for somebody and being a, uh, a coach. And what you, to, to make that drill, drill work, you have to know where you're hitting the ball to, and as soon as you hit the ball, you have to know where you're going to recover to. And the same thing happens. So, you know, what happens during the, a game? The game, is again, is about time, and movement is so important. And in basketball, you're trying to take rhythm uh, away from your players. So you're breaking, you're trying to break up the fast break. You're, when you go from defense to offense, what are you doing? You're filling up the three lanes. I haven't coached basketball in over 40 years, but I watch it a lot, and I still see, and I saw last night watching uh, basketball, that as soon as the break starts, you see the players filling up the three lanes. Well, I suggest to you that's one of the similarities um, in uh, tennis. It's very, the same thing has to happen. You better be ready to hit to the three sections of the court. And I'm not talking about the depth of the court. I'm talking about there is some people – they take that outside ball and they'll be able to hit it cross court. They could do that very good, but they can't hit the inside uh, out ball. They can't hit it deep enough down the middle. Well, if today's basketball, you have to be able to hit the ball deep and you have to be able to move the ball to each section of the court. Why? Because, the, the, the game is about time. When you break it down, your tennis, you are either taking time away from your opponent or you're buying time. And as you strike a ball, you are deciding where to recover to. And what is, what's that dependent upon? It's dependent upon the stroke you hit. Uh, are you placing your opponent in a neutral position, a defensive position, or an offensive position? Uh, and so as soon as you hit the ball, you're making this decision, where do I move to? You're not standing still. If you are, you're not going to – you don't have to worry about playing too long because you're not going to be in the match too long. As your opponent hits the ball, what is this, uh, the decision process? It's just reverse, right? The movement is continuously. You don't stand there and watch your ball. You hit it continuously. Uh, and another time I will talk about uh, the split step, which I think is the most misunderstood uh, movement in uh, tennis today and even in the pros. And I get uh, – I, I, I hear even people on TV don't explain it right. But I won't get into that now. Let's just stay with the, my basketball theory and trying to develop – an offensive rhythm, and uh, and this is what happens in basketball. So what are we doing? You're trying to break up that offensive rhythm. This is why we're putting pressure on the on players. You see it a lot in uh, in basketball. Well, the same thing really happens uh, a lot in uh, tennis too. Rhythm is so important. And how many times today? Um, do you see, and you don't see a lot of uh, long rallies, but how many times do you see that rally broken up because somebody really got impatient? And instead of staying with it, when a person hit a, uh, an offensive shot, would put the person, the other, the opponent into a defensive position, uh, maybe taking them wide off the court or taking them deep into the court. Uh, what happens? Instead of taking the ball higher over the net, they try to hit a winner from that position. Well, if they don't hit a winner, the norm is that the next shot that they hit, 
is either going to be an out ball or a ball into the net because they've given their opponent more time. And they didn't give themselves enough time to get back into the point. Once you're in a a defensive position, you need to buy yourself time to get into a neutral position before you can get into an offensive position to attack the ball. We would stop basketball practices when, you know, sometimes I would practice off of a rebound, for instance. Uh, If we got it, we'd go into uh, the the, uh, fast break. Once we got down there and we didn't set up an offensive play immediately, I blew the whistle, and we started over again. Once we took the ball away from – the, uh, the practice from the offensive team, and we would immediately break into a uh, fast break. Again, filling those lanes, being able to have somebody in, in each position. Once that we got to that position, and if we didn't have a play immediately off of it, we would go back and we would do it again. And rhythm is so important. It's important in basketball. It's important in tennis. And I think it's important that we make sure that, um, you know, we can't take ourselves out of uh, the game because we're too anxious. And during a a point that's going, um, we take ourselves off by uh, not playing high percentage uh, tennis. Uh, We have to recognize when we are off the court or when a person has put us into a defensive position that we have to buy time to get back into a neutral position. So I think that becomes, uh, you know, very important and it's overlooked a lot in the coaching aspect. Yes, you have to teach the strokes, uh, but you have to have a tactical plan. But part of that tactical plan, I think, I always played my tactical plan because I had so many years in basketball before uh, I could relate to uh, what happened um, in basketball. Again, uh, if you sit there and play the wrong shot, you'll give your opponent time to hit a winner. What are they going to do? They're going to hammer that ball, right? I think the uh, other thing that you have to think about and I see it today in watching uh, Servant. The racket today has allowed uh, so much speed in the game. And, again, if you're not in condition and if you're not working on speed, you're, you're going to have a hard time handling the game of tennis. But you also have to, again, how can I buy time? Well, when teaching the serve, I think you should consider – breaking the service box into three areas. And your student, your player, has to be able to consistently serve in each one of those boxes. Because today to be to play tennis, you, you must be able to be effectively served in all three areas. A speed is not the only weapon which takes times away from your opponent. Direction can do the same thing. If you move your opponent off the court with uh, your serve, then what happens? You've given your opponent less time to hit a winner. And if you're taking them off the court, you probably bought more time for yourself to be able to close to get closer to the net and get yourself in a position to go on the offense. If you're effectively on the offense, what are you doing? You're keeping your opponent on the defense, and I think the longer you can do that, um, you know, the better uh, position you are and uh, giving yourself a better chance to uh, win the match. So hopefully you see some of this similarity. Excuse me a second. I'm not used to talking this much. promise you next week you won't have to listen to me for the whole time because we'll have Chuck Reese here. But, uh, again, 
the similarities between tennis and basketball, and I think the reason I love the game so much is you have to be an athlete in both of them. You have to be able to handle speed, but you must also be able to think on your feet. The challenges come every single stroke. You have to be able to sit there and move. Uh, You have to be able to understand when you split step. It drives me crazy when I hear somebody say, you know, just split step. If if somebody is coming down, if somebody split steps and they come down on both feet, it's usually because they didn't recognize where the ball is going. If the split step is timed properly, then what's going to happen is if I'm going to my right, for instance, that's where the ball is, I'm coming down on my left foot to push off to go in that direction. Uh, And this is taught not just in tennis, it's taught uh, in schools like the University of uh, Arizona. There's at least a half a dozen. I don't want to go naming them all because if I do, I'll forget somebody. But this is a movement that's not just in tennis. It's in baseball. You watch the infield and baseball team, you'll see them doing a split step. Done right, they're not coming down on both feet. And if it is, if they're coming down on both feet, they're probably split step too soon. The split step is not like I heard people say when your opponent hits the ball. It's the split second prior to your opponent hitting the ball. Because how many times when your opponent hits the ball, you don't know until the ball's hit where it's going, right? So it's the split step is just prior to that there point. And again, that's the same thing. And basketball, the movement that goes on, that's what fascinated me about tennis when I first got involved in it. And that's what fascinated me about um, uh, the work uh, that, I can't think of Vic's last name, that he's done on this this split step. But I often hear remarks that, well, if, if, if that's how the split steps should work, why isn't that done in the pros? And it's, the reason is simple. If you're doing something for years the same way, you know, you're just not going to change it. It's just going to happen. This is something that has to be taught early on. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, I use the sports split step in training uh, in high school uh, to get that movement, and it takes a long, long, long time for a young person to get that movement right. Um, so, am I gonna if I get somebody that's an adult, that's a good player, and um, we're gonna do that? No, I, I sent video just recently uh, to a, a doc to a gentleman that's a very good player. Uh, about that there, and he, he says, well, boy, that's just for the pros, not for people like him. Well, it's not for him. He, he wanted to see what the movement I was talking about was. But, you know, would I recommend somebody in their 40s to sit there and change and do that? No. But you have to, But if you start young enough, it should be part of your game. So, really, when you, um, you know, rhythm – Transition of the game uh, is so important in basketball. It's important in tennis. And this is how an old basketball coach uh, decided when he was going to join his son in uh, coaching uh, tennis. Uh, These are the things that I took to tennis, things that I still believe in. Uh, I would suggest that you, to you that uh, you know, when you're not watching the tennis channel like I do and the tennis on there, uh, we're into the basketball season now. We'll be into March Madness now, which truthfully I spent a lot of time with. It was my first love. Uh, watch some basketball uh, and bring those similarities to the tennis court. I think you will find that there are uh, many of them uh, that you can use. And I think they're, uh, you know, they're very important. Uh, I think I wouldn't, you know, and 
the old days when I was uh, coaching uh, basketball, uh, for instance, I wouldn't let my players ski because I was afraid of injuries uh, that could uh, happen. But I always thought you know, tennis was great cross-training because you do need footwork, you do need speed, you do have to make decisions instantaneously, you do have to change direction. All those things are this the same in both sports. So think about if you're going to have your players, you know, in the off season, uh, in their downtime, because we all need downtime. We can't be doing the same thing all the time. Uh, Think about basketball. Think about how it can help you in your training as a tennis coach. So, We're going to have a short broadcast uh, this evening because I do understand uh, the reason uh, that our broadcast is the number one on our network is because I don't usually talk that much. (laughs) And I know what you want, uh, but I did feel uh, I was, truthfully, I was writing an article about this for Florida Tennis Magazine in an upcoming one. And... uh, being I we're into the holiday season now, uh, and uh, it's unfair to ask for every other people to give up their uh, time. Uh, when truthfully, I'm not going to give up my time. Like I say, next Thursday, uh, Coach Chuck Reese will be joining us, and uh, immediately after the, the broadcast. Uh, Bobby and I will be joining our family, so we won't be on the air again for an hour, uh, but I didn't want to have a week in between uh, when normally Alan Fox is here. But after the first of the year, uh, Alan will be back. uh, Chuck will be back. I hope they all have a blessed uh, uh, holiday. Uh, and um, and I think, uh, it, well, and Dr. John Murray should be back, too, because the football season will be uh, coming uh, to an end. So, uh, if not in, uh, well, uh, probably that first week in uh, February, uh, or the third week in February, because usually it's Alan Fox the first week, Chuck Creasy the second week, and Dr. John Murray the third week. And then the fourth and fifth week, well, I've been blessed to be able to have so many outstanding uh, coaches uh, on. And, um, you know, we'll continue to bring you those uh, great people. I do want to wish you, uh, those of you, um, that uh, next week before uh, the show, Happy Hanukkah, uh, a special time of year. I will wish everybody a Merry Christmas after next week's uh, show. But um, I do hope you all go out and uh, enjoy the holidays. This is a special time of year. Uh, Be patient. Like we say to the kids when we're coaching and the players, be patient. You be patient. Enjoy the holidays. And above all, please be safe. Please be safe. Okay. I would appreciate it if you would tell your friends about uh, our broadcast. Um, Let them know that uh, Chuck Reese will be here uh, next week uh, as uh, our mentor. Um, Let me just say one word about mentoring is if I may, before I close. Uh, I think there's a lot of things going on, and there's a lot of uh, criticism. Some of it's deserving. Some of it's not. Some of it you have to make your own uh, uh, decisions about. Um, I know the USTA uh, gets beat up sometimes, and I've been accused of beating them up too, and I've... um, I'm going to give you my opinions, and I do. But I also think they're doing some nice work. And those of you that uh, heard um, Coach Mick, uh, well, uh, Chris uh, Michalowski on a couple of weeks ago, 
uh, director of uh, experimental learning at the USTA National Campus. Um, I think we have to keep our minds open uh, and, you know, be able and look at things and let's examine the, the, the um, you know, the programs. Uh, I personally don't like the idea of changing programs, name, you know, recycling things over and over again. I actually um, was in trouble with my wife, who runs the District 15 NJTO, and we started it. Well, we started it back in the ITF when it was play and stay, and then we did uh, uh, a 10 and under, and then we were another name. Oh, I think we were red, uh, yellow, red, and um, green uh, play and stay. And then the USTA said, you have to, you know, change the name to this here. And I told Bobby, you know, they're going, Coach, you know, you spent eight years on the USTA Florida Board of Directors. Uh, you know, you got to get with the program. And I convinced my wife to change the name. And um, I can't think of what that was now, but they found out they couldn't use that name because it was uh, – uh, I belong to somebody else, I think a computer company or something. So then it became 10 and under. And I, I see value in next generation tennis. I don't know how much money that is costing and if that money could be used for something better. That I don't know. I'm not qualified to talk about it because I'm not on the board no more. I don't know what those expenditures are. But I think we do have, you know, those of you that are upset that we're changing uh, the names of programs, we're not giving them enough time to work, and I've gone through that with the school programs uh, and everything. I've complained because the USTA looks at the high schools as a recreation uh, rather than competition. Competition, I remind you, is not a bad name. It's something the kids are going to do the rest of their lives. So when they're going to go to college, they're going to have to compete to get ahead. When they leave college and get a job, they're going to compete with their fellow workers to get ahead. It's not a bad word. Uh, so uh, I do have a problem with the USTA about that. But look at some of the good things that's going on with Next Generation. Uh, for instance, I, th I love the idea that everybody is going through and getting, um, you know, tested for uh, uh, background checks and everything. Because let's face it, when you're working with kids, th these parents are giving you the most precious commodity they have, and that's their children. And, um, you know, I know as somebody that's uh, myself that's uh, been a, overprotected at times with my kids, uh, you know, it's just something you can't be too overprotective with. So let's give it a chance, but let's discuss it. Don't, but let's discuss it without just turning somebody off. You know, let's listen to what they have to say. Well, I pray that I will uh, talk with you again next week. Tell your friends, have a blessed week. And uh, we will talk again next weekend, the Lord willing. Bye now.